This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it is completely free. So join today at www.bonsai.film. It takes just a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails, just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk week, and that means I'm here with my good friend and co-founder, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Aloha. Aloha. Welcome back. It just hit you with the three, bro. Yeah. The three. <laughs> the, the triple aloha. The triple aloha. <laughs> yeah, man. A little callback action. Yeah, a little took it back. I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I should have worn an aloha t-shirt. I know I thought about it. I just figured I would throw you the, the triple aloha, you know. The triple aloha. Just, <laughs> yes, Man, it's been a while since me and you you've done this. Um, and here we are entering the Christmas season already. I, I can't I can't believe it. I, I put this post up on Instagram the other day, and it basically was like lyrics from Frank Ocean's song DHL. And it basically says the whole point of it is basically like the year's almost over, but, but for us, it's not even like we have a lot more that we could put out. And like, the question is, you know, how much of this content goodness should be foist upon <laughs> this esteemed audience, you uh, know, like all the content, man. I mean, of course we have to, we got to balance, right? Yeah, we because balance, we understand that, you know, people have other things to do, you know, of course, lesser important than listening to us talk, but you know, we, un- we understand they have other things to do. So we don't want to foist ourselves upon them. <laughs> that that would not be right. You know, we want to be respectful of them during this uh, cramped holiday Why is season. It that people hate the word moist, but then don't hate the word foist. 
That's a good question. I, you know, I, I don't, I, I think there's a certain type of person who would actually even consider the word foist in a conversation, right? <laughs> that would be me. Right. And, and I foisted foist upon you. Right. And can you yeah. imagine if we keep saying the word foist, it might just lose all meaning whatsoever. It might just start sounding like moist and then people will click. <laughs> right. Pause button. People, dude, we've already lost so many people. We got to stop. Just by saying moist, moist, foist over. There's no other words that rhyme with that. Or there's probably an obvious word that I'm not thinking of. But anyway, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. The whole thing about not putting out too much content, and it is a real issue, like all joking mm-hmm. aside, like I feel like there are two to three super powerful interviews that are sitting out there right now that because of just the holiday season, people are gonna have to go back to anyway. Like, yeah. please do not sleep on the Dr. Goulston and Frederick interviews. Right. Like, not that people have, like, we've gotten really great results from that so far and, and a lot of feedback. But I think the Frederick one in particular, because it was released, I think, right on Thanksgiving Day or the morning of the day after Thanksgiving. And it was an easy episode to sort of say, oh, well, you know, I'm out of town or I'm in a turkey coma, whatever it is, and and miss it. And it's just not to be missed. Like, we're going to grab some quotables from that and, and push some stuff like that uh, from it in December. And I think it's going to push people back to that and they'll need time to actually digest that episode. And then you've got the Charlotte Larson on top of that. And the longer we talk, the realer she gets, as it turns yeah. out in this particular interview. So... Well, and remember, it's also so the benefit of the holiday season yeah. is that people take off. Yeah, they do. They right. Do. So this is a perfect time. You know, you're going to be at home. You got mm-hmm. that eggnog. If you drink eggnog or, or maybe it's, you know, boiled custard, silk. you know, a little bit, but a little silk or mm-hmm. almond breeze eggnog, you know, whatever your flavor. Um, but you're sitting back at home. Might as well turn it on. You know, listen to some of these yeah. episodes and, you know, in we're between not your Christmas averse. movies. Exactly. And we're not averse to people, you know, listening to a little bit of Frederick and then saying, oh, let me pause that real quick and then see what Charlotte's talking about. Right. We're good with that. You know, yeah. check out a little bit of this, a little bit of that, because there's so much goodness that you can always come back to it as well. So, yeah, definitely check out these these episodes because, yeah, yeah, tons of goodness just, in there. Just to give a sense for the audience of, of who these people are. You know, Dr. Goldston's a best-selling author. You know, he's been a, a psychiatrist, suicide prevention guy. He, you know, he's out there saving lives every day. It's a great documentary on Amazon. Frederick's an Emmy award-winning filmmaker, and Charlotte writes for Grand Crew and is written for a bunch of other shows as well uh, on Grand Crew on NBC. So these are all worthwhile interviews. You're going to learn a lot about what to do in the film business. And I do want to talk about what your favorite holiday movies and drinks are since we kind of brought it up. Brought it up, but, yeah. But before we get into that, let me bring on producer Papa Bear. Um, producer Papa Bear is uh, coming on for uh, the second time, our new segment called Things We Should Know About the Movies. So Papa Bear, break us off with something we should know about the movies. Well, uh, we have this big kind of blockbuster, bigger than life movie coming out tomorrow, uh, Babylon. Oh, I think it comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the lead actress in it, Margot Robbie, 
He's also in it with Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. And so he's a supporting actor in this one. Um, Really? Because I've, I've, so full disclosure, I've seen this movie. Uh, Thank you, Producers Guild. And Brad Pitt is in that thing from beginning to end. I mean, I can kind of see why he is the supporting actor, but he is in almost every frame of that movie. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, you might call it a double lead. Yeah. But um, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt have collaborated on three movies, including Babylon. Mm -hmm. So this is the third movie that those two have collaborated on. So what are the two films they've worked on together other than Babylon? Okay, so me and Nick are going to work on this, and then you, I'll bring you back on at the end of this talk to give us the answers and tell us if we're right, okay? Okay, and I'll give you a, a little <laughs> extra to add on to it if you want to think about it. We are going to how think many about- In those other two films that they've worked on together, how many scenes did they share? Holy moly, that's a nightmare. Yeah, man, it's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you, I'm going to be straight up with you right now. I can answer that question. I'm going to go to Dr. Google. What you're cheating? 100%. (laughs) If you get anywhere near it, like I'm not even, I know, I I have no clue. I'm I'm sitting here racking the brain. I'm like, they've been in a movie together. Like, when did that happen? So, right away, Um, I think, thank thank you, Papa Bear, by the way. Right away, I think about uh, Leo DiCaprio in Margot Robbie. So, Wolf of Wall Street. Mm hmm. I think about, I think about uh, Will Smith and Margot Robbie in that one where you know Will Smith would prime people. That was like an underrated movie. It's good. Yeah, what's funny? You mentioned that. I'm curious, and we should do, probably do a poll at some point. Like, how many people know about that movie? Like that came up one day, and I was like, "What? What is this?" It's a good movie. It's like it's yeah. like it's got a hitch vibe to it. If you guys remember Hitch. Yeah with uh, Eva Mendez. It's yeah. got that. It's very watchable. Like if it comes on, you like, you're going to watch it. It's kind of like when elf comes on during Christmas time or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just, just I'm curious, on. like, is it going to come on? Like, is that a movie that we're going to see just randomly? Or is that something that you're going to have to like go check out? Like you're going to have to find that movie. Uh, well, it's funny because you might have to find it because I don't even remember the name of it. I just know Will Smith and Margot Robbie were in a movie together and Will Smith is a con man. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's a confidence man. Right. Yeah. And this is like the last sort of like bastion of Will Smith's jackness. He was like pretty jacked in this. Uh, but when it comes to, Mm -hmm. to, to Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, I'm, I'm having a hard. I'm at a time. loss, man. I'm having a hard know, I time. Know. I, I, I feel like I should. That's why we call this things you should know about film. Right now, there are people in the audience listening. Like you guys are idiots. Like you know, so obvious. No, but I got nothing. Googling. So there's people out here googling. Just let's <laughs> just let's just talk, and then it'll come to us. And by the end of the conversation, we'll see if we have something for for PB. Right. But but cool, here's here's my Christmas drink. I like to do eggnog spiced uh eggnog so the southern comfort eggnog and i think it's spiced vanilla eggnog actually and yeah we talked about that before yeah, yeah, yeah. and spiced rum 
Mm-hmm. And so you do one part spiced rum, two, uh, four parts. So every one part of spiced rum, you would do four parts eggnog to get the blend right. Now, what I like to do, I, I do it a little different. There are a lot of people who just go fast and dirty with this thing because they want that cream in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? Pregnant pause. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if they're trying to get it, they're trying to, if they're trying to get that, trying to get that cream fast, so they can swallow it down. The, you know, they're going to go fast and dirty and throw rum in there and throw the eggnog in there and just drink it. For me, I want to savor it a little bit and have a, and, and spice it up. So what I do is I take a, a shaker or a jigger. I said jigger. And then I put it, fill it with ice. That's the same thing. I put, um, or no, I put it in the shaker and use a jigger and then, right. and then pour <laughs> my rum and my eggnog in. And then I'll sprinkle nut nutmeg. <laughs> I love the way, I love the way you're looking at me right now. Cause it's like, 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 like you know, nutmeg, it's, you know, it's that so intimate. Like, like, well, right. I wanted to say nutmeg and <laughs> right, then, right. and then, um, and then I'll take cinnamon and then I'll sprinkle <laughs> cinnamon. Not a lot, not a lot. Just, a, right. you know, just a, just a, and then right. a dash. I'll, I'll shake that, shake that up. Yeah. And then, uh, put a cinnamon stick in, in a glass that kind of similar to this. So mm-hmm. I guess for those just listening, I'm like holding up a stimulus wine glass that's filled with red wine right now uh, by Crowned Beast. Um, this is a Serpa. God, how do you pronounce that? Saparavi. <laughs> Saparavi. It's from Georgia, not the state. Not the state. Um, so, uh, but the country. So anyway, it's, it comes in a glass like this. You pour it in there and you throw a cinnamon stick in that bitch. Mm-hmm. So I just want everyone to understand, you know, because there's going to be some folks who catch this on YouTube, which is awesome. Uh, but then you're going to have folks who catch it on the podcast platform of their choice. Mm-hmm. And if you caught this or you, if you're catching this on the podcast platform of your choice, you're not really getting the full animation that is happening right now behind this description. I have to tell you, folks, that man, Chris is so excited <laughs> about this drink. He is moving in his chair. Mm-hmm. He is shaking. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what, what's the the shake weight? It's like he's shaking yeah, like yeah, he got yeah. a shake weight, right? He's shaking like a polo. Shake weight episode of South Park, by the way. <laughs> There you go. One of the greatest episodes of animated of all television of all time. Okay, so what's what's your drink? Oh man, see, not, it's it's difficult now because one hundred percent honesty, I'm like pulling back from alcohol. Right, I, good I'm for you, man. Back. I need to do this. Yeah, same. man. But and, and it's but it's it's this thing where it's like I still have the taste for it, right? I still want something. It's crazy. I got this whole bar at the house, and I haven't touched mm-hmm. it. Everything just sitting there waiting for somebody else to come drink it. And the primary reason is that. You know, I'm, I just want, I want to sleep better. Right. I want to wake yeah. up better. I know 100% that it's poison and I don't need to be drinking it, but it, it beca- it's part of a, it's a habit. It's a, it's a taste or whatever. So anyway, I've been pulling back. So normally I would be in almost the exact same camp as you, as far as the drink is concerned, mm. right? It is going to be, you know, an eggnog, whether it's spiced or not, doesn't necessarily matter to me because I can spice it in your mouth but also because I can spice it. Yes. And and that, so that's the thing. And you can't always find the SoCo, right? Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, the the milk doesn't quite sit well with my belly, right? So yeah, yeah. I need something like- You do have a like tender an, belly. I don't I know do. if this audience I, knows I, I do, I, I do. You know, outside of the, um, you know, the, the, the muscles. Yeah, you know, I'm an iron inside. trap. <laughs> I'm an iron trap. You, 
No, you, you're like no. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Un- Unbreakable or whatever. Unbreakable when it comes to the belly. Is that what it's um, called? Unbreakable. So, yes. Yeah. So so um, or you're glass. Like, you're like Mr. Glass. Nice yeah, Mr. Glass. So now I'm I'm about that almond milk, but it's like mm-hmm. so an almond milk nog, and then I'll spice it. Right. So you got to do the nutmeg. You got to do the cinnamon. You got to do the cinnamon stick. All the stuff that you mentioned. Um, and that's basically my go-to. Uh, but the hardest thing now is actually finding one of these almond milk or soy milk or oat milk eggnogs that actually tastes good. Now you talking about that cream in your mouth, bro. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife bought me one of those that was so thick. It was just gross. Mm, I mean, it, basically gelatinous. drinking it. No, no. Yeah. Drinking it was like drinking phlegm. <laughs> like that thick. And I was like, Oh, nope, uh, I can't do this. So that's my thing. I'm, I'm trying to find a blend. Uh, and I think what I'll have to do is I'll have to, you know, buy one of these that sits well with my belly and then I'll have to doctor it up a certain way to make it work for me. Yeah. So that that's my drink. It's always eggnog. Like eggnog is it. If I don't have eggnog in the holidays, then it's not the holidays. I find that in general, that's a great point you make about, you know, this is the holidays. And without this thing, it's not the holidays. I do find that if I have downtime and I don't have a lot of responsibilities, I might pour myself a drink once a day, once every two days, which is an increase for me. Cause I I do like, you know, unlike you where you have to pull back because you're an alcoholic, you know, I have a bar that uh, normally just stays, (laughs) like I said, waiting for people to come over and drink just like you. Uh, But during the holidays, I'll find that like, there's downtime. I, I don't have as much stress. So why not have some eggnog and rum or have some red wine? So I have to be careful. There, there's a Alan Watts quote that says uh, something along the lines of, we know we're killing ourselves, but because the death is so sweet, we can't stop or something like something along those lines. Yeah. Or like, you just oh, know, Alan Watts is, Alan Watts is so good, man. No. Or you just know the 95 year old person who drinks a, you know, a glass of whiskey a day. Right. And you're yeah. like, it can't be killing us. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Well, like <laughs> it's, it's all about, yeah. Like the, the devil's in the dose. Right. Right. Like I used to have a, a homeboy that I did music with and he would swear that he could, rhyme better because he was rapping he could rhyme better if he was high and for a little while it was true like he could freestyle for like eight minutes straight like it was unbelievable he'd like be in the cypher he'd be like a cypher one bro like he was awesome and then like a month goes by and then it was like man i tell you what i sing better when i'm high too so then he sing high (laughs) and then it was like you know what i do math better when i'm high All of a sudden he's doing equations high. And then in a year, he's like a full addict of all things. (laughs) (laughs) But the question is falling apart. But but does he do everything better? No. And then he stopped, (laughs) then he started doing everything worse. There you go. Like you get to a point where it's like, oh, then you hit the cliff and you fall off that bitch. Like it's like oh diminishing returns. Yep. Yep. Anyway, I highly recommend those drinks. I highly recommend picking up an Alan Watts book. Uh I read Alan a decade ago and I'm just now revisiting him thanks to an artist named Akira the Don. So go look up Akira the Don. What he does is so niche and it's what we talk about in filmmaking all the time, Nick, where he will 
take a famous person and he will create an entire EDM album around their famous quotes. So his first album was with like, a guy I love named Naval Ravikant. So if you don't know who Naval Ravikant is, he's a wonderful philosopher and tech investor. And he has an entire album of just Naval quotes. Well, his second album is now all Alan Watts quotes. And I like to just run to it. So it's like getting therapy and uh, mentorship, uh, a, a fierce beat, all while you're getting your cardio in. So it's Akira... Nice. The Don and his latest one is with, with Alan Watts. So we talked about movies. And so the thing that was interesting to me about this is growing up, we didn't have access to so many touch points of content. And one of the number one complaints today from the, you know, this generation and, and really it's not even generational. It's like, I think everyone's feeling this. It's almost to the point of, you know, driving anxiety a little bit. We are in a state of information overload. You can't watch every series. You can't watch every new thing. You can't see every new viral post. And I've talked about this in the past, like the way that that shows up for me is when you know, I'll go to someone's Twitter. Like I went to the CEO of Twitter's or CEO of YouTube's Twitter page. I forget her name. It's like Susan. Anyway, she's a girl boss. She's a lady boss. I love it. But she will post these creators like Doug Doug and like all these other people. Hmm. I've never heard of them. Yeah, and they have right. these enormous followings on YouTube and enormous followings on Twitch and enormous followings across social. And it's like, I'm not even in that world. I, I don't, I've never heard of you. And right now the content world and space is so large that you can have a million plus following or more and a good chunk of society will have never heard of you. So how I tie that back to Christmas movies is, is when I was growing up, you were going to have the same sh- movies on rotation. You were going to have a Christmas story. It's a wonderful life. Miracle on 34th street. Uh, at some point, it, it, a Christmas Carol, those were guaranteed, right? Yep. Like you were going to, those were just going to be done. playing on network guaranteed. TV anyway. You couldn't avoid them. And as I got a little older, I would say Home Alone is now a classic as well. Maybe you throw Elf in there. Um, you mentioned, um, you've mentioned to me personally, offline uh, trading places, Christmas movie. Some people yeah, say Die Hard. Grinch. I don't know if that's a classic or not. But now there are a million choices. Yes, on multiple different platforms, right? Trying to hit multiple different audiences. And yeah, there, I mean, there's channels just for Christmas movies. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll just end, they'll end. There's enough content that those channels can run Christmas movies all day long. And Christmas movies from people that you never even heard of, you know, yeah. and not that that's a it, requirement, but it's just, it's funny. Yeah. Right. It's funny. Well, it's funny to me because I was looking up, there's a movie uh, like the Christmas princess or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. I think there was a Christmas princess too. Yeah. Um, but if you were to type in like the Christmas prince, like once you start typing that, you'll notice there's probably like 15 to 20 movies just called some version of a Christmas prince or a Christmas princess. 
Yeah. <laughs> like there's so many of them. Like there's just, it's so funny. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, just that, just that topic, right? It's just, there's so many of them, but you know, I can't say that, you know, my family is really watching, you know, a ton of those. I think I'm still in the camp where when it comes to all TV, but especially holiday movies, I'm in that camp where I'm sharing the movies from my childhood. Like you just mentioned home alone, right? Like home alone, one home alone, two, we're definitely watching those. Why, Imagine right? I'm a time like that. where Trump was in such good favor that he showed up in those movies and nobody Home Alone like, too, out about it. The Home Alone too, you know they they used his hotel, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but but Grinch, you know the do you think the, do you think, do you think, he, Grinch, do you think he paid for that? By the way, do you think he got an EP credit for that to get in? The no, movie? I don't think I don't. No, no, I think that he let them use his hotel. I yeah. think that's how that think, worked out. He was like, location. He's like, you can use my location, but you have to put me in the movie. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that <laughs> because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, for those listening, like that haven't been EPs on feature films, this happens a lot. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's, a there's a lot take, of quid right? pro quo that goes on to like finance a movie and to get exactly. it made. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So I was going to say things like the Grinch, you know, those are, you know, classics in my household. Um, but I also say that some of the new movies that have come out are movies that I would say are now kind of classics in my household. Christmas Chronicles, the first one. Never even heard Everybody of it. really likes that. Yeah, everybody really Chronicles? likes that movie. Oh, you got to watch it, bro. You just, just got to watch it. It's one of those where. Does it take place in Narnia? You know, it's, no, it does not. Uh, I like I like the, your your link there of the Chronicles, but no, it does not. Uh, but but then there's Claws with a K. You know that one's oh, a really good one. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Arthur Christmas that we watch, and the yeah. kids enjoy that one. Um, there's the ones that are like um, the elves. What's what's one of the elf movies called? Um, Prep and Landing. That one. So anyway, there's a lot of new movies as well, um, but I still break out the old ones, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. Oh, uh, so there's there's still there's still these classics, right? But I'm curious about, you know, like what's the next generation? Like, are we going to lose some of the classics, you know, in that next generation? Like, have we already lost some of them? Like Miracle on 34th Street? You know, it's not on all the time. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. Right. You know, film was different then. It looked different. It's like some of the stuff that I have my kids watch, you know, they're quick to be like, you know, oh, the graphics in that suck or, you know, that didn't cool. You could see the string, you know, it's like <laughs> things like that. We're like, that's Dude, not cool. They I'm have a different level. Yeah. They, there's a, they have a different my expectation. Kids hate Peanuts Gang. Oh, my kids don't. They hate Charles Schultz. Either. I'm like, what about that song, though? Yeah, no. dad, it sucks too. I'm like, it doesn't. Yeah. It's like objectively great. Like the <laughs> right. theme song to that is objectively great. You can yeah, go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come on, dude. Peanuts, man. Like that's, those are classics. Like I my kids Charles don't Brown. any I, of that. My, yeah. My youngest daughter calls him Charles. Charles. Just because she knows it gets to me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I hate Charles Brown. <laughs> yeah. So think about it. The next 10 to 20 years, you know, will some of these films be even in the conversation when it comes to classics will home alone overtake it's a wonderful life and miracle on 34th street it's possible in the conversation right i i think so i mean my kids you know when it came to a christmas story they started watching it but then they were playing 
Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like playing in the room and I'm sitting here watching this. And and it's funny, man. It's like you get in this spot where it's like the get off my lawn guy, you know, because I'm like, you whippersnappers, like you're going to sit here and you're going to watch this classic movie because <laughs> it's one and of the greatest like movies it. and you're going to like it. Like, I don't want to hear any nonsense. This is a, and that's what it's crazy because I'm like hilarious. forcing the like on them. Right. I'm telling them you have to like this movie. You have no choice. It's but anyway, see, yeah. it, it, I might do that experiment, Nick. You might have inspired me to do it. Like, I want to see what movies they will pick if I don't curate it. There you go. Oh, because I remember when we first got into indie film, almost all of our pitches were Christmas movies with dogs. And so it went from Christmas. So it was either a horror film or a Christmas movie with dogs, because Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line. Independent filmmakers decided that those were the two genres that they could make a profit on and they could sell their movie if they made a Christmas movie or if they made a horror film. And then they started integrating the dog and then they, they flooded the market. There's so many like it's Christmas time and we got a dog movies. It's a dog gone Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> see i don't even know if you here's what's fucked i don't know if you're lying to me i don't know if you're lying to me that could be a movie of course it's about a it's about a dog that gets kidnapped on christmas eve and you know the the family has to try to find Come the on. dog are you lying to me i'm making something up but i totally believe it's a legitimate thing see i didn't even know see this is what's crazy i wait, thought wait oh my god wait, there's I'm a look at the dog I'm gone gonna, christmas i'm gonna look it up right now i'm just telling you this is probably a thing I love it the probably I love the double entendre up. there. I love it's kind of like uh, Wes Anderson, Isle of Dogs. Yeah, is is a good one. Well, so then they move from dog Christmas movies to rom com Christmas movies. Nick, bro, yes. you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. 2016, a dog gone Christmas. <laughs> wait, wait, you ready? 2017, yeah. Santa stole our dog. A merry <laughs> dog gone Christmas. <laughs> We got one more. Played by Joe 20, Pesci. There you go. 2019, A Dog Gone Christmas. Mm, voiced by Owen three, Wilson. There you go. Three films with that are called A Dog Gone Christmas. What? Of course, bro. Of course. Like, what do you think about a, Violent Night? Oh, I'm gonna see that. I'm gonna it's see a sidebar that. with John Leguizamo. Yes, I'm gonna see it, man. It's basically you're bringing it's your the purge. Well, no, no, it's Christmas. Christmas. No, no, it's not the purge. It is what they're doing. So, you know, earlier you said, um, you know, Die Hard is one of those movies that, you know, is it really a Christmas movie? I think a lot of people will call Mm -hmm. it a Christmas movie. And um, even on some TV shows, they've referred to it as like the best Christmas movie of all time. Um, But this is the Die Hard Christmas movie. That's ultimately what this is. The They're Die Hard's already the Die Hard of the Christmas. No, no, but this is Christmas. It is it's Santa Claus. Like now, it's not even a question yeah. that this is a Christmas movie. This isn't Billy Bob is Thornton the, being a drunk Santa. This is no. This is in the spirit of Die Hard. But now they're saying we're going to make it official, and we're going to put the lead in a Santa outfit and have him do die, die hardy and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I think this might be a classic. If they do this well, they pull this off. I think this could be a, a future classic as well. I used to love Dick Gregory's like take on Santa Claus where, you know, he always made sure that, you know, his kids didn't believe in Santa. Like you work, 
you work your ass off all year and then you give all the credit to this fat white dude. White man. It comes down to <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you bust your ass and grind all year and then your kids loved him. Right. Uh, that's anyway. So oh, wait, 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 one more movie. One more movie yeah, I have to mention. Please. And I'm, I'm mad. I, I didn't mention this earlier. Yeah, please. A Nightmare Before Christmas. My son loves that movie. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. It's classic. Yeah. Um, uh, your boy, Tim Burton. There you go. Classic. Absolutely classic. It's um, and it's for, you know, like it doesn't have to be for all kids, but I find that there is a certain type of kid that has a certain type of imagination that really appreciates it very deeply. Right. And we both have kids like that. That's right. So because um, we were kids like that. Yeah, probably so. And uh, will that overtake Charles Brown? I guess it already kind of kind of (laughs) has. But, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but what's, what's happened is, and this is just since we've been in films about 2015 ish. So I'm, I'm not sure before that exactly, I guess I could figure it out, but it went Christmas movie, Christmas dog movie, Christmas rom-com. Then it went to, um, what we have now, and you mentioned it earlier, like entire channels dedicated to it. So it's like, um, but I feel like those are all Hallmark, rom-coms. Hallmark and um, Lifetime. At yeah, Christmas time, there's ex- ex- exclusively like dedicated to Christmas movies all December. You just turn on that channel and yeah. you just, you know, get into a food coma and you just sit there in front of the TV. <laughs> Christmas coma. Yeah, Christmas coma yeah. Uh, on Hallmark. There you go. Or Lifetime. And now yep. our girl, Kristen Baker, who's an incredible indie filmmaker, she makes the lesbian rom- rom-com or LGBTQ, as she might say, rom-com. Right. And that's like where that's going. And these are all like independent film trends. So the fact that they keep getting made, maybe there's something to it, Nick. Like maybe no, you can is. make your money back making independent Christmas movies. Yeah, maybe. I think it's, it's really about the platform that you put it on and, you know, representation, like, you know, like you're mentioning is a big thing as well. Right. Because, you know, as you mentioned about Dick Gregory talking about that, you know, big fat white guy coming down, you know, the, the chimney, I think that's what our Christmas movies used to really look like. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. So every Christmas movie you watch will be white people being very, very happy, yeah. you know, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. and it's like I think now there is definitely, you know, more openings and opportunities for this, you know, the essence of diversity and inclusion. So, you know, everyone celebrates the holidays. So why not start making movies that are more inclusive, you know, of a variety of people and backgrounds and interests so yeah, make Christmas movies, make horror movies like that. But yeah, I think that there's new opportunities there. So yeah, why not well, make one? Sometimes you can force the diversity though. And oh yeah. And like I I do feel like and I'm all for it. I am. I'm for well, it. Well, no, you're all for diversity, not yeah. force, because I'm not in, forced you know, me, diversity. You know where I stand on this stuff. Yeah. Not forced diversity. Exactly. And there are these really fine lines. Um that get crossed where it starts to feel gross versus mm-hmm. feel, you know, representative. 
there yeah, are times and you know I'm on Twitter for the time being I'm I'm on Twitter and I do I do enjoy Twitter in a way that I won't spend time uh I won't spend time explaining here but it is my favorite platform by far of like all the social platforms but I think it's cuz I have a lot to say or want to say and I like learning and reading but there are people on there that would talk about, Hey, represent that's like the phrase representation matters, representation matters. Mm -hmm. And there is a line where although representation matters when it's forced on you in an unnatural way, you, you kind of recoil from it instead of embrace it, which was the goal. Yeah. I mean, I'm 100% in that camp and I think it's, there's so many different ways that that representation or that diversity is coming through. And I think it's, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe it's a generational thing as well, you know, depending on what generation you're from, what background you're from, you know, how much it feels like it's forced. You know, one of the areas that I have had some conversations about, you know, especially with my, my eldest daughter is the, what I feel like is forced representation of, of, of women, Right. Especially when it comes to, you know, let's say like the Marvel universe, right. There's got to be a, basically a, she, everything, right. There's a mm -hmm. girl version now of everybody, right. Yeah. Even Captain Marvel is like another version of Captain America, but she's uh, like got superpowers. Right. And then there's a Miss Marvel. There's a she Hulk. There's a female Hawkeye. There's uh, a lady Thor, you know, she thinks she called the mighty Thor, you know, but now there's a, female version. And then what is the conversation about James Bond? You know, there's conversations about Indiana Jones, you know, potentially it's like all these characters are, are turning into women. And I guess the, the part for me is one, it's all happening at once. Yeah. Right. It's like one after the next, after the next. And then as you're getting all of this representation, you're also getting films that are just, you know, the primary actor is, you know, the woman king, right? It's like, wow, you're doing it again, right? It's in my face. And for me, where it would feel more natural, and maybe, again, this is just me, you know, I'm not knocking female actors or female um, lead characters, whether they're the hero or the villain. Where for me, it would feel more natural is if they had their own role. The woman king is good because it actually has its own role. I think that was just one of those things that just piles on everything else for me. It was a great, but movie. I think, yeah, but I think it in itself is great because she's, it's a singular character. She's not borrowing from, movie. yeah, she's not borrowing from or, or becoming the female, anything she is yeah. who she is. And I think that's the challenge for me is it's like, why are we turning all of these characters into women? Why not just create new roles? Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's my thing. That's, and let, the, that's where it starts from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start from scratch. Let's, let's create a new, a new paradigm, a new hero, yeah. a new heroine, a new way. It feels lazy. Yeah, it does. It's just like, let's just flip that. And now you're a woman. It's like, ah, oh, really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, it's and, and I feel like it's a little disingenuous. Yeah. Right. Because when it comes to like, like She-Hulk, for example, you know, one, I'm going to put it out there. I think I've already said it. I can't stand that series. But now you're just a female Hulk, right? Hawkeye. Yeah. Now you're just a female Hawkeye. Loki. Now you're just a female Loki, right? Why do you have to be the female version of a male character? Why can't you just be the first of you, right? The first of a kind of your character. 
right? Like, honestly, Laura Croft is Laura Croft as a character, right? There's no, she's not the female whatever. She's Laura Croft. Start from scratch, yeah. right? And and people loved her in the video <laughs> games and in the movies, right? Let's do more of that. And I think it'll feel, at least to me, a lot less forced than it is right now. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. You know, the thing about the Woman King, by the way, again, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. John Boyega, is that how you say his name? Yep. He's in it. And it's kind of a trick because you go to watch the movie and he's the king. And it's not like he stops being the king 10 minutes in. <laughs> right. He's the king all the way to the end of the movie. He never dies. I hope that's not a spoiler. So <laughs> it's it's really, it's weird. It's like, yes, um, you know, she um, who plays the woman king, Olivia? Um, no. No? Oh, you know, you're killing me now. It's not Olivia. We'll have producer we, bear. Dude, we'll have, dude, we'll, no, we'll, no, we'll, no. Have, we'll have producer Papa Bear. Uh, no, what I'm going to tell you is this is another thing that yeah. we should know. It's Viola Davis. Like Viola we shouldn't Davis. get that wrong. I, I have no idea why. I know the V's. That's why the I said Olivia. Olivia. I'm Viola. thinking Olivia Wilde. Um, yep. And then I mix it up with Viola Davis. Viola, Viola Davis yeah. is awesome, and yes. and she's incredible in it, and she's a badass in it. Mm-hmm. Like really, like really incredible and but it's not um they kind of bait and switch you with the with the title i'm just saying a, a little bit i mean okay it, it fits it fits and it's a like i said fantastic film but where where it gets forced uh it's it's a little brutal and a and a little lazy maybe a lot maybe a lot lazy yeah when it comes to um just trying to make sure that every single, like, there's a lot of it happening in the Marvel universe. There's a lot of it happens in sort of even outside of Marvel in just the superhero uh, spectrum, yep. even in Agreed. TV, yep. where one superhero is trans, another one's gay, one's a black girl, one's an Asian guy, one of them's uh, sort of chubby and short. You know, there's oh, like, yeah. I, and I remember they did that with, heroes. I remember they did that with Ghostbusters, and it was I laughed when I was a kid when they did it. Like all of a sudden, it was the real Ghostbusters, and it was a Hispanic girl, and you didn't know if she was gay or not, right? It was just kind of curious, maybe, maybe not. Then you had <laughs> the like, you know, you actually had a Latino guy, you had a guy in a wheelchair, a white guy in a wheelchair, you had a black guy. Like it was just. Let's try to figure out every, you know, way that we can show representation. And, it's, yeah. you know, maybe that's not a bad thing to put it all in one, but maybe it is. Right. It's like because then it feels like checking boxes. Yeah, and if that's, you feel that's, like that's what it is, it distracts you from what you're supposed to be watching. Yeah, I think you make the point. You make the point. Like, just start from scratch and give us a character we can dig into because this isn't a get off my lawn rant. It really isn't right. like when Brokeback Mountain came out. I embraced that. Everybody embraced that. It did really well uh, throughout awards season. And we knew what it was. We understood it. Call me by uh, uh, your name with, with Army Hammer before sort of his disgrace or whatever. And Timothy Chalamet, we all embraced that. We loved that. That was something that we um, were doing. Uh, we were going to see, I should say. And right. 
it wasn't, we didn't care. Like we were into the characters. They were original. They were really uh, well-written. Um, I'm trying to remember the one with the teenagers. Um, I want to say I had the word bird in it. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was like, it's another one where what, Lady Bird. A, yeah. Lady Bird. Yeah. Okay. Female lead written. It was original. It was great. And we embraced it because it wasn't lazy. But when you just say, and, and, and I don't hate that the little mermaid is black, but to your point, it's like, you didn't create a new character. You just took a, you took a movie that you knew would do financially well. That's right. Yep. And this is kind of the game that gets played because it's like, they don't want to really show representation, meaning the studios, like, they don't want to take a risk on it being a box office flop like bros just like what just right. happened with bros. Yeah. Right. I guess that's kind of hypocritical because they did take the chance and you see that it flopped. But yeah. the point is, is like, why don't we take a known entity and just, hey, Ariel's not white, she's black. Hawkeye's not a guy, he's a girl. Like what the Wakanda film. Yep. I it just it's hard, man. It's hard for me. And you know, I'm again, I'm all about diversity, equity and inclusion. Like that's 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 my jam. You know, like this, what we do yes. here is about that life. Um, but yeah, things like The Little Mermaid, especially, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan <laughs> Little Mermaid, bro. Like I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to deny it. You know, I might be in a karaoke situation and I might sing part of your world. It just might happen. Right. So I have the picture of Ariel in my head. And I think that's one of the, the issues that people are having is that they have an image of that character in their head. And this is not that image, right? It's a huge departure from what they grew up with, right? What they know. And I think that's the challenge. I think a younger generation potentially doesn't care, right? They don't have yeah. the connection to those characters like we did. Like even, you know, Indiana Jones, you mm -hmm. know, yep. people might not care, man. It's like, you know, it, okay, she's going to be a woman and she's going to, fine. Like, why do I care? I didn't watch the first, you know, five movies you know right so right. it's a new generation they're going to be more accepting but i think there is some you know i actually don't mind indiana jones right because harrison ford had a hell of a run and it's oh, like yeah. i like this i don't mind it when, see that doesn't feel forced to me that feels like a passing of the baton that's really natural because she's not going to be indiana jones She's just, she's going to be someone else No, in the Indiana the Jones role. But here's if they the said, thing. if they just said Indiana Jones all of a sudden is a woman and her name is Indiana Jones, then it would be like, ah. Uh, but on. here's the thing. We haven't seen it yet. Her name could be Indiana. It could be Indy. You know what I'm saying? She's the descendant. If smart, she's like if her smart, granddaughter. They <laughs> if they're smart, they'll tell a father-daughter story that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Because Harrison Ford had a really long run with this character. I know. What you know I'm what saying, mean? he doesn't need to be him. So it really what makes I'm... sense for him to pass the baton to someone. I know, but but listen. But, but here's but the how, thing. But listen this. How would Jones? it be different? Just, let me, here, here's how. How would, it, how would it feel if they remade Dirty Dancing and there's no Patrick Swayze character? Like there's two girls or there's two guys. And call it dirty dancing. And call it dirty dancing. And dude, 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 don't put that into the world. Don't do no, that. They're gonna make it. No, they're gonna make it. it. Stop. And and <laughs> and out. here's the thing: for guys like us, and even uh, like my sister, it's like her favorite mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. It's gonna. The problem is sometimes it's so forced that it over indexes. In my opinion, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I hear you. there still are a lot of, I guess, cisgendered heterosexual couples that still want to see a great rom-com. Right. Uh, that reflects their, their representation, their lifestyle. So, so not every new thing has to hit that mark because then it starts to feel like you said checking boxes. Yeah. So what I was going to say is for me, if they wanted to introduce this new character, it would be awesome. Indiana Jones. Jones. It'd be awesome if they just gave it a different name, right? A different title. Mm. But in the movie, Indiana Jones shows up. Right. So the whole point of it is that it's her movie. It's her as the character. But you do see a somewhat of a passing of the baton in the film. I think that's going to happen because they have talked about a de-aged Harrison Ford. In I it. know, but it's called Indiana Jones is my point. I would have loved that they had introduced this as a new character, a new Oh, person. it had a different name. Different name altogether. Yeah. It's her name of the movie this, and everything. Well, that's exactly. tough because then you have to deal and with then, the IP. Well, what I'm saying, but you know, you just have Indiana Jones in it. They can do that. That's not a challenge for them. They don't have to name it Indiana Jones. You can just say that, you know, Indiana Jones is in the film, you know, so. Well, just and they recognize can they're having a hard problem with Bond for the same reason. They want to replace yeah. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. See, people don't know this. They think it's The Rock. They think it's Dwayne Johnson every time. Daniel Craig is the highest paid actor in the world. Oh, well. And he, he made a hundred million dollars last year. Yeah, maybe they want to replace him. They want to they want to replace him and as Bond and they have a woman, but all the money is wrapped around the IP of James Bond in 007. So they have to figure out a way to get around it if they want to do that. Yeah. And honestly, there's a um, the the thing. We'll see what happens with it. Okay, Mm -hmm. But to me, the IP of James Bond is masculine grit and you know the spy action film yeah like that's the ip right it's not it's not just the name but the name is uh, it signifies masculine grit and all those things mm-hmm. so that's where it's a little bit difficult for me when then you say okay let's make james bond or make 007 a woman then it loses that Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's like making um, a, a saying, OK, we're going to take Jason Statham and we're going to make it a woman. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can't you can't replace that. You can't yeah. replace that manliness. Right. Of a J- Jason Statham in a film. No, you can make no. an action woman action film with a woman. There's tons of them. They're great, you know, but. You can't replace that. Yeah, you, you, you just can't. So that's that's yeah. what it is with for the me same with, with the same Bond. IP. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. if they wanted to do it. I immediately think Angelina Jolie, maybe just because of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but (laughs) Angelina Jolie is such a great actor. And then on top of that, she has a stilliness to her. (laughs) Yes, she does. Where even though she's really (laughs) thin, um, she seems to be able to pull off the ability to like show that she can actually fight or rub somebody up. I think Mm -hmm. Jada Pinkett has that has that vibe to her as well. There's a few. Now I'm not, in lo- I love Queen Latifah. I'm not in love with her in the equalizer, the TV show, because I don't think she's in good enough shape to be doing all that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I won't go take there. One knee in the middle yeah, of some of these fights. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I love Queen Latifah. I love Queen Latifah. Love Queen Latifah. I but I hear you, brother. I hear yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. I, I love her, but it just, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of other topical things, 
Yep. We talked about this in our newsletters. We have to bring it up before we go. That's right. But this really interesting, this fascinating move that Reed Hastings and the team, Reed Hastings and the team at Netflix did around Glass Onion. I watched Glass Onion in the theater. It was wonderful as expected. And uh, hopefully there will be no spoilers. I don't think there's, I'm going to spoil anything. But I think that there was a baked in spoiler for people who went to go see the movie late. Like they didn't make it to the opening weekend and they went to see it the next weekend only to find it's not in theaters. And one thing you told me offline that I thought was so interesting that I hadn't thought about was people thought the movie flopped because it had already been removed from theaters Mm -hmm. because we are trained to believe that when a movie doesn't do well and it's not making enough money for the, for the theater chains that it won't play in the theaters it's not worth the the real estate. But in fact, Netflix had actually pulled it and it's going to make you wait until I think the middle of December into December to watch on Netflix only. Yeah. Cause as they say, they're in the business of having people watch films on Netflix. Yeah. And it's a crazy thing because I know that they're saying that the film could have easily, if, you know, kept in the theaters longer, you know, could have made, you know, what is it like 60 million for the next, you know, weekend or two. And then every weekend in December, in my opinion, exactly. Like they could have just kept going, right. The, The numbers could have been crazy, but Netflix passed on that. And it's a, it's a big deal because when you pass on that, And you and I have had this conversation before about kind of the economic implications of a successful film, right? People do dinner in a movie. Yeah. Right. The theater itself makes money, right? Through concessions. Right. So not only is the film going to make this money, but everyone around the theater, the candy store, right? The, the coffee shop, the, the ice cream parlor, the everything makes money. And they took all that money off the table, not only for themselves, but for the economy that is around the film, because they're not in the business of having people watch their films in theaters. So the way that I saw that, go ahead. No, no, go ahead and finish. I'm sorry. No, it's it's the way that I saw that. Yeah. The way that I saw that was like, they just put all of that, but there's like, all of that is not important. And they said, what's important to us is Mm -hmm. leveraging new ways to market our films on Netflix. So yeah. we used you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're using you theater mm-hmm. as a marketing mechanism to, you know, grow some buzz and some intrigue. And, you know, maybe all those people who were disappointed now that level of disappointment turns into anticipation, mm-hmm. right? They weren't able to see it in the theater. And now they're driven to watch it on Netflix. Maybe they built enough human buzz, right? Because we talk about movies amongst each other. We do all that. They built enough buzz that now people will go watch it on Netflix and maybe it'll work out for them, but it is an amazing and crazy thing for this industry that they did that. And maybe it's, we'll see if they're successful, it could set a precedent and that precedent could be very ugly for the theater and the economy around the theater. Yeah. It, 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 it's, they're still marketing it. And they, uh, some of the people marketing it are still saying, Hey, I hope you go see it in the theater, <laughs> not realizing <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not there, you know, yeah, it's right. not there anymore. And it's, 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 
it's a true emperor has no clothes moment because, well, maybe that's not the right phraseology because basically the, the mask is pulled off. So for years we've heard the theater business may not survive for years. We've heard and throughout the pandemic, we heard everyone's going to be streaming. I don't think the theaters are coming back. And now we kind of find out who is behind those stories potentially. And it's streamers. It's, it's, there you go. It has to be kept quiet because studios are dedicated to theaters. It's a very old relationship. They're courting a new woman or man or whatever. They're courting a new partner. They're courting a new way forward. And they have to keep it quiet because they don't want it to blow up in their face because they've had this really long relationship with the theater chains. It's like, where's all the press coming from? Where is all this news? What's all this push? Why is this coming out? Don't don't studios want theaters to survive? Isn't this the lifeblood of the business? And and then you realize like, oh man, they just removed the mask. It's them that's behind it. They took the money off the table, knew what they were doing economically. They've paid for three movies for Ryan Johnson already. Mm -hmm. They're going to get another knives out. That money's already gone. So everything else is upside to their subscribers. Their goal is to grow. Uh, I think about that phrase, uh, the phraseology from Mark Zuckerberg, who owns Meta. Company over country. That's his quote, company over country. So when, and he was asked that by, by uh, I think, Maria Ressi, I think is her name, or Ressa, uh, who's a freedom fighter, about... Are you going to step in and, you know, keep, you know, moderate a little better or keep this information happening and, and like keep elections from being affected by despots and things like that? He's like, if it grows my company, I don't care. Like company over country. Right. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening here is like people were happy to pay the $20 a ticket. They were happy to pay for the in-house concessions. Mm-hmm. Food, liquor. They still are. They were happy to do the dinner and the pizza and the ice cream and all stuff you mentioned. But Netflix is like, how does that help us again? Right. Like we need <laughs> exactly. to, we need to get people back in their houses. Yep. Watching our content. And we don't have a relationship with the theaters. We are a streaming company. Yep. And so they've dragged all these other streamers with them that do have relationships with theaters. And these other companies don't know what to do. They're like, oh, we got to chase Netflix doing this. Mm. And that means we're going to have to adopt their same modus operandi, but we can't do it. We can't take our mask off yet because only if it it works and only if it works. And I don't even know how you measure this. They don't like subscribers. (laughs) That's it. Subscribers and quarterly revenue. I, I know. But what I'm saying is that like, how do you really measure it? It's not just, I, I guess you could say, if a subscriber gets added mm-hmm. and the first film they watch is Knives Out, right? Or Glass Onion. Like, okay. Their analytics maybe. team is off the chain, bro. Like they I have, know, but what I'm saying so is that much if, you, data. But if you join, data. right. But if you join and you watch something else, right. 
you can't, so you can't attribute that to glass onion. So what I'm saying is it's going to be difficult for them to measure the success of whatever this campaign was. Um, so I'm just curious. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if the other companies are going to follow suit because I don't know that they're going to be able to say that campaign was successful. Right. I, I just don't know that that's going to be able to come out. So, so we'll see, yeah. you know, part of me sometimes thinks it's like a spit in the face. Maybe it's not a campaign. Maybe it's Netflix saying, see, we can do whatever we want. Well, here's the thing. They don't have to split 50% with the theater for the whole mm-hmm. run. Right. right. So anytime you have it in theater, that's a 50, 50 split. Sometimes it's 51, 49, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that makes a difference, you know, like they're getting a hundred percent of their subscriber revenue dollars by having them come and they're getting a little bit of theater and their goal is look, if, if we can take this box office and cover the fee we paid to Ryan Johnson to make three of these films, then we're good. Everything else is, is, is net. Yeah. Is net positive for us. And, and if, if that model works, then, then that's what will happen. But the sad thing about it is, is we do want to go out and see a thing. And I, I feel like over time, it might get to a place where the only thing that keeps the theaters afloat is the, is, is the rules around award season. Like Netflix owns a handful of theaters in LA and I think New York, but I could be wrong about that. I'll need to be fact-checked. Just so that their movies can have a 14-day run, so they can be um, so they can be considered, be considered for, 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 awards, a, for an award. Right. And it's almost like how the dollar is the reserve currency of the world. And if it weren't, it would go to hyperinflation and the country would fold. <laughs> so, so it's like, we just hold on because you can spend a dollar in any country on the planet. Right. And if that ever got taken away, then we'd be in big trouble because we've overinflated the money. It doesn't have any value, right? There's nothing back in it. Well, same thing in theaters. Like they have a bunch of regular, basically regulations that ensure their existence. Right. And good for them because what else is a 100 year relationship worth? Yeah, right. You it's know, built into it's built into the policy. It's, it's built, built into, into the, the whole system process and the system. Yeah, that's that's and, right. So yeah, but I, I'm curious though. You, times. Yeah, but you mentioned something that just I don't know. It's this could be far fetched, but it's mm-hmm. it's funny. It's like. Like it's probably far fetched, you know. Uh, but you mentioned this idea of them taking the split, and it's let's say it's 50 50, right? 51 49, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, what if this whole thing was designed to renegotiate the split, right? Mm-hmm. Is to say, hey, look, look how much money the pundits say we left on the table by pulling out of the theater. Right. And basically showing them this Long is how play. much you as a theater could have made had we stayed there. Yeah. So but we understand that we own that power now. So, OK, let's let's change this. Let's go 60, 40. Let's go 70, 30. <laughs> you know, you guys make your money off concessions. Yeah. Man. You know, you're making a ton of money off concessions. You're doing all this other stuff. So that's where you got your money. Let's change the split. Yeah. All right. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, there's a game being played somewhere. We just don't know what it is. We don't know what it is yet. And, um, you know, the truth is I have Netflix and I'm going to I'm an investor in Netflix and I'm going to watch. Glass Onion when it comes out on Netflix. We'll we'll see what happens. I don't you know, I don't want to be a a hypocrite about it. I I just I love the theater experience. I I thought it was so good to watch it, you know, in the theater versus 
here at the house and I have a theater at the house. So it's, it's worth going to see on the big screen. Let's bring in, let's bring back in producer Papa bear for, uh, to get these answers. Cause, cause I did what I thought I was going to do, which is come up with the movies. Now I swear on our friendship and our company, Nick, that I looked up nothing. Mm. Uh, I looked well, up. I swear if you're going to ask me, I will Google it. <laughs> you Googled it? Did you no, Google? I said, if I said, if you were to ask me, I will Google it. I didn't Google it. I will. I mean, if that's, if you want me to answer it, <laughs> that's the first yeah. thing I'm going to do. I have, I have two answers. I don't know if they're okay. right. I'm going to go for it. All right, Papa Bear. I have. You, do you want to restate the, the question? So yeah. For restate, re, restate the question All right. for the audience. So in the, okay. In the new movie coming out, Babylon, the lead actress, Margot Robbie, is in it with Brad Pitt, and this is their third collaboration. What are the other two films that they've collaborated on? All right. Here are my guesses. 12 Years a Slave. And bullet train. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Nick? Uh, um, hold on. A Colgate commercial. Mm, solid guess. And a sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's not what it is. So here's the one you should have gotten. Okay. But, but at the end, I'll tell you why neither of you got it. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Of course. No, oh, right. Oh my God. How could I forget that? This is like me forgetting Viola Davis's name. There you yeah, go. Well, my, I was muted and I was yelling Viola Davis, Viola Davis. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the other one is Give a movie. the microphone next time. All right. The other one is the movie, the big short. Ooh, that's right. Wow. She was in okay. the big short. She's not in it a lot. She's literally in it for, I think one cutaway scene where they have her in a bubble bath and she's explaining a concept about the market. And Brad Pitt's not a lead character in the big short either. So the big short to me is it's, it's like a top 100 movie for me. Kudos to Adam McKay. I would watch the big short anytime it comes on. It is so well done. It is so good. Like right now you would watch it. Yeah. And it explains the 2008 crisis. Uh, from the derivative standpoint, better than any movie there is. And there's a few movies that did it that did it really well. This is the best one. The uh, performance by um, now I'm going to forget uh, another uh, person's name. Oh my goodness, Steve Carell. The performance by Steve Carell is. I mean, he, he never misses anyway, but it's so, it's so good. They don't talk about the money side, the federal reserve side, the run on the bank side that kind of creates these boom and bust cycles. I guess it's cause you don't want to fight with the fed, but 
and people would understand it anyway. But from the derivative standpoint, it's it's great. So once upon a time, we we're we're dumb. <laughs> we don't, and these are things we should know about <laughs> these. Here's the reason you probably didn't guess them. Um, I had asked you how many scenes did they share in those two movies? Zero. Oh, you mm. tricky, tricky papa bear. <laughs> You're a so, sneaky. Yeah, You're so they collaborated. Bear. They were both in the film, but they were yeah. never seen together, which makes oh. you not remember. In Tool, got it. Yeah. Babylon, and I and people. And then you'll we'll never out. forget it. Yeah, then you'll never forget it. And thank you, Papa Bear. This was very fun. Very fun. And uh, hopefully, so this is two weeks in a row where I'm pretty sure I don't know anything about the movie business or just movies in general, things Whatever. I should know, but Whatever. don't know. So this has like <laughs> been great for me because now I, I feel like I can win a trivia night. But for people who are going to go watch B- Babylon, it is tremendous. It is not just another movie. So this is a movie that's on movie of the year level. You will never forget it. The first 15 minutes from a visual standpoint and from the standpoint of um, shock and awe rivals is only rivaled by maybe the Holy mountain. <laughs> like, like everything is happening in this first 10 minutes and it's crazy. It's just more comedic and less metaphorical than the Holy mountain, but equally as shocking and be, I guess be wary if you want to say wary, but be aware that it's a three hour movie as well. So you, ha- you have a little bit of a commitment, but to me, the three hours just goes by because the story's done uh so well i think uh, uh has let's see Brad Pitt Margot Rob- Robbie i mean it has so it has so many cameos so many great performances so Toby Maguire Toby yeah, Maguire, maybe, Toby Maguire maybe showing up in it at, hey, the, at, hey, at but maybe you should two hours in that. was unbelievable but maybe and he was so menacing don't tell people that it's three hours let them figure that out when they go to click on it right because that like you said it requires a commitment Maybe you shouldn't know about that commitment until you sit down and hit play. Yeah, it, dep- it depends. Like if you <laughs> if you love cinema, you're gonna love this movie. Yep. If you are concerned with how long you're sitting in the theater, then this this one won't be for you. But but I I love my favorite movie of all time, or one of my favorite movies of all time is Braveheart. I love Schindler's List. Yeah, I you know long I'm long movies. I I can sit in long movies if the movie is worthy of the t- time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not a short movie. Loved right. it. So yeah, Babylon. I, I I haven't seen all the rest of the Oscar films. I have them queued up, ready to watch, ready to you know take them down like I did last year. So I don't have any to compare it against Nick, but right now I'm going to say Babylon is the best movie I saw this year. Yeah. And I think and standalone as well. Might like, not be yeah that close and i've seen some pretty good movies this year cool awesome so kudos kudos to the team okay thank you producer papa bear nick i think we did the damn thing man we did man once again this is great i'm and, and i'm sorry it took so long for us to get back you know together on this and and to make this happen you know but this is this is great it's like riding a bike right you just jump back on and 
and, and just and just ride, man. We're cruising. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm this saying? is fun. This is, we're cruising. This is fun. I mean, there one day we'll do like a live indie talk. I think that'll go well. Or we'll do like a mega indie talk where we talk for three or four hours. And there will be some people who are in for it because right, yeah. Because then they'll get a glimpse of like what our everyday life is really like, where we mm. schedule a 15 minute call and it goes four hours. Yeah, yeah. Everyday which is life is like bro. our regular yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. Hey, bro, you got five minutes? <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, right. 55 with that. Exactly. 55. Exactly. So, yeah, well, may, maybe I'll uh, have a deep pour. When we do that, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll bring it back. Yeah, and if we do it in person, that'd be even better. We share a nice bottle. Uh, we should think about whether or not we're going to do and how we're going to do our end of year wrap up. We had so many great interviews this year. I'm curious if I just put out a poll in our newsletter, which you can get by going to bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. That's right. No commitment, completely free, easy to unsubscribe from if you don't like it. But, I but think you wouldn't want might, to do that. But we, why would you do that? Yeah. Right. We might send out a little poll to see who was maybe the top three favorite listener guests this year and then invite them on to talk about the year that was in film, the year that was in indie film, the year that was in their life and just have a good time like we did, like we did last year. So it's just something. Yeah. And what about. they're looking forward to in the new year to come. Yeah, exactly. So let's think about that. But uh, for now, if you want to get in touch with us, you know how to do it. Underscore Bonsai Creative on social. Reach out to Nick at Nick at Bonsai.film. That's his email address. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Flame in Your Heart. Your is spelled with U-R. So Flame in U-R Heart. You can find everything you want to know about Bonsai Creative and the Make It Podcast not just on the podcast player of your choice, but also at www.bonsai.film. We have so, so much in store in the coming year and even in this coming month. Yep. And last but not least, I'll say it again. Our newsletter blowing up, going wild across the country, across the globe. We love it. Across the globe. You can also join uh, that group of passionate independent filmmakers and film folks and creatives at www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. It's that simple. And with that, Nick, can you give us the credo? Of course. Uh, but just before I do so, please remember that, uh, you know, this podcast and the work that we do is also sponsored in part by the voice of the filmmaker program. And you can go to www.banzai.film slash donate uh, to donate to that program, which is sponsored by women in film and television. As I mentioned earlier, we are all about our diversity, equity, and inclusion, not because it is the latest set of buzzwords, but because that's who we are. That's how we were raised. That's what we do. Uh, we're a family in this filmmaking world, and we all come in different colors, shapes, sizes, credos, creeds, you know, all the different things. So we are fully embracing of that and we're happy to have the sponsorship of a women in film and television and the voice of the filmmaker program and with that i will say be better be creative be engaged and thank you for listening nick talk to you soon yes sir we'll do it again brother all right all right man peace hey gang one more thing before you go i want to talk to you about 
Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it's completely free. So join today at www.bonsai.film. It just takes a few seconds, and once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get any insights our bi-weekly newsletter and join a network of film creatives like yourself and don't worry we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need and if you ever tire of indie insights we hope not but if you do simply unsubscribe no gimmicks no games so One more time, go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. And thank you for listening.